hands. The argument was very sound, and coming from a master's mouth would have been lauded for its truth. But since the author was a hound, its merit went unrecognized. Jean de la Fontaine, 1621-1695 The Farmer, the Dog, and the Fox It is probably the case that virtually every human being has, at one time or another, wanted to be Dr. Doolittle, or to own King Solomon's ring, so that he or she could understand and talk with animals. For me, the animals that I most wanted to speak to were dogs. I remember one Sunday evening, I was sitting on the living room floor in front of the big family radio with my beagle, Skippy. I was leaning against the side of an overstuffed chair waiting for a regularly scheduled radio show featuring my favorite movie star. The theme music started. I think it was actually the folk tune Greensleeves. And then a few moments later, I could hear her voice. She was barking in the distance and coming closer every second. Long before our current wave of canine movie stars such as Benji and Beethoven and their television counterparts, Eddie, Wishbone, and the littlest hobo, there was Lassie. She was much more than a dog. She was a friend and devoted companion. She was a guardian of the right, a courageous protector, and a fearless fighter. The dog that may have done the most to shape the popular conception of dogs and their intelligence was a character born in a short story published in the Saturday Evening Post by Eric Knight in 1938. The story was so well received that Knight later expanded it into a best-selling book in 1940, and in 1943 it was translated into a heartwarming tearjerker of a movie called Lassie Come Home. It was filmed in rich colors and set in Britain, where Lassie's poor family is forced by their financial troubles to sell their faithful collie to a wealthy dog fancier, whose daughter is played by a very young Elizabeth Taylor. Lassie escapes from the Duke of Rudling's harsh kennel keeper and manages to work her way from Scotland to England to get home to her young master, who is played by Roddy McDowell. The role of Lassie was not portrayed by a lovely female dog at all, but by a male dog named Pal. In fact, all of the Lassies ever since have been female impersonators. Male collies were preferred to play the part, since they are larger and less timid than female collies. More important, when an unspayed female dog goes into heat, which they do twice a year, she often loses much of her coat. It would be very distressing to movie watchers, and it would be a film editor's nightmare to have the fullness of Lassie's coat vary from one scene to another. Gender issues aside, Lassie had a huge impact on our concept of how dogs think and act. This was partly due to the volume of material about her that we were exposed to. So far, there have been ten feature films showing her exploits. In these, Lassie managed to upstage some of the greatest stars in Hollywood, including James Stewart, Helen Slater, Nigel Bruce, Elsa Lanchester, Frederick Forrest, Mickey Rooney, and many others. 
There was also a TV show which ran from 1954 through to 1991, with a few interruptions, using six different settings and rotations of cast. At times, Lassie's families included such familiar actors as Cloris Leachman and June Lockhart. Many of these episodes are still appearing on television in syndicated reruns today. There was even a Lassie cartoon series, Lassie's Rescue Rangers, that played on Saturday morning TV for the kids. Perhaps Lassie's most unusual starring role was in a radio series, which ran from 1947 through 1950, and I was one of her young fans. I'll bet that given the media mentality of today, producers of a radio series involving a dog might argue that it was necessary to give Lassie a human voice, so that we could hear her thoughts and know what she wanted to say. It would be... A